Tile friends, welcome back to another episode of Tile Money, the podcast where I, Luke Miller, discuss the business of tile installation. Today I'm sitting down with my good friend Adam Kofer and my newfound friend Kristen Blanchard. Kristen, how are you today? I'm doing great. Good, nice. good. How yeah, yeah, good. Thanks for thanks for meeting up with me. Yeah, and thanks Adam for taking time out of your Saturday to meet up with us. A surprise yeah, guest today. It's a surprise guest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we recruited him in here today. We, we, found, lunch and we found him washing dishes down at the Shell Beach Brew House. <laughs> brought him along. <laughs> Actually, I asked if he wanted to be my photographer, but I said, hey, this guy's smart. Let's bring him in here. <laughs> he knows a, a thing or two. I, I kind of insisted that I get on. I said, yeah, you can buy me lunch and you can uh, put me on the show. And, yeah. He's starting on right now. You and I actually met back in the Yardix event, so back in, in June-ish. Terry, don't hate me if I mix up events, but I think it's June. Or yeah, about the Mud GTP. Yeah, one, one of the guys I talked to for quite a while. So. so I was happy to see you today when we went to the restaurant, but it was actually you. So it wasn't 100%. There was about six Adams that I know that I talked to, so yeah. I wasn't 100% sure. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, glad to have you. Um, obviously, we're going to get into some weedy topics and get into some business topics and some tile topics. Um, so we've got some fun questions here. I thought we'd start with the fun stuff. Um, we we posed it to social media, and we've got about five six questions here. Um, Carlo Craner, excuse me, Carlo. Car yeah, Carlo, yeah, Carlo Craner. Um, he asked you. I hear a lot about how much more expensive Weedy is than other types of board. Is the warranty as long as other brands? So maybe you could talk about the warranty, Weedy. I love it. Okay, so warranty is actually pretty simple. If you guys, Carlo, I know you have one. If you have a technical manual or a spa and shower brochure, it lines out the difference between a standard 10-year warranty and then the 15 or the 20-year warranty. So um, both warranties are comprehensive. Comprehensive meaning the whole shower. Okay, and we're not just talking about weedy. Uh, so let's let's back up and see what happens if you submit a claim. You do your shower, you install it, you do the tile. Six months later, a year later, five years later whatever up until the timeline. Uh, your homeowner calls you and says, hey, there's a leak. You call me, you call your rep, whatever your rep looks like, bring them out there. We'll do an inspection. We'll check the obvious stuff first. Hey, is the drain tightened? Whatever little things that we can do, you just make sure you get those things off the, off the checklist. If we figure out that there's more going on, we do, a, we do a little inspection and it's pretty easy for us to do this, and we determine that the weedy system was installed as per the instructions, which come in, well, they come with the instructions and the products, they come in the pictures, and, uh, they come from the reps like me doing training classes, talking on the forums on TTP, MUD, and uh, everywhere else. The instructions are everywhere, YouTube videos. If the product is installed according to the instructions and it fails, uh, maybe the, the, the ceiling didn't bond or a board, something happened to the board, whatever the reason is, the weed is at fault. Okay, We deal with that. Instead of just taking uh, the corner and saying, well, you, your back left corner is leaking, we're going to cut out a square foot here. Okay. Replace it, put a new tile, and there you go. It's comprehensive. I'm going to deal with the entire thing. So that's the weedy, that's the labor, that's the demo, that's the new labor, the new material, etc. We're not just cutting a check for, hey, here's your 1200 bucks in weedy. Okay, it's pretty simple. So it's, it's 10 years from the date of purchase. So caveat, if you run a proper business, you should do this anyway. Keep your invoices for you know, where you bought it from. Okay? I need, when, I, when you call me and say, hey, I got, a, I got a weedy question, I need a claim. I want to know immediately, first of all, is there weedy here? You would think yes, but the weedy needs to be there. You can't have demoed the shower already and then want us to come and look at it, right? The weedy has to be there. It has to be weedy. 
but we need to have a timeline for when you've got it. If those three things can happen, then we can do our job completely, okay? Now that's the legal liability. That's us saying we're going to take care of this product. This product is free from defect, free from, I'll let you read all the verbiage uh, in the manuals and stuff, but now fast forward, we've got a 15 year and a 20 year pro warranty, so that, that, that will segue into what we talk about a little bit later, I imagine. Um, it's the same, same mechanic, but for 15 years, um, as long as every product in that installation is weedy, and you have to be a weedy pro, a certified pro. So we have two classes, right? We have our workshops, our three, our three hour workshops, you'll kind of see guys like me will build a whole weedy mock-up. Um, Carlo, you've been, a lot of these guys have been one I've hosted about 20 plus of them here in California in the last nine months. Um, and that's kind of weedy 101, okay? That makes you a certified installer. A certified installer just means, hey, I know weedy, I have access to the rep, you know? We hang out, we hang loose together, whatever, we build a, a shower system together. And I know who I can get to and talk to five questions, and I actually have hands-on experience putting Weedy in a, in a mock-up with a Weedy rep. So that's what that means, okay? A pro installer is a pro, okay? We're not really talking about the homeowner market or DIY. We're talking about pro installers who have come to our two-day class, which we're going to, uh, which I'm working on now for, for San Francisco or Sacramento in quarter one of 2019. It's two days long. We have three different shower pan designs, right? Core designs, and many, many sizes and configurations. We build a mock-up of all three of those showers, and then there's formal testing. We go over tile council North America specs. We go over tile theory. It's not just weedy. We're talking full level. It's pro-oriented, okay? There's yeah. a formal test involved in it. You pass the test, nice. and mm -hmm. weedy issues you an actual serial number, if you will, a license. Okay. That license is good for four years from the date that it was issued to you. Um, caveat to that real quick, I know some people have been like, well, what the heck, why does that expire? You're just trying to screw me, right? Well, no. Practices change. Yeah. Right? Continuing education. This is a way for us to say we want you back because what we did four years ago is not exactly the same as we do today. So that's the reason why we want you. We want to be connected with you routinely. We felt that four years was a reasonable period of time. Okay, technology's changed. So once you get that Weedy Pro certification, you as an installer are now allowed to market that 15 year or 20 year warranty. Okay, on the 15 or the 20 year, there's a $20,000 cap. On the standard 10 year warranty, there's not a cap. Okay, but think about the uses there. We're thinking that's commercial. A lot of that will be commercial. Okay, so 15 year warranty is everything has to be Weedy, installed correctly, has to be registered which means we need to have pictures, and again, all this information is in uh, the technical books, in the spa manual, in our warranty statement. It's plastered everywhere. Um, you have to provide at least minimum of two pictures of installation before finishes are installed. Okay, And then you have to give us building information, who owns the building, who the actual client is, whether that be an architect, a GC, architect, whatever. Um, and you have to submit that along with a copy of the invoice that we need purchased. That becomes a filed, or a uh, registered install with us, and you get 15 years now. To get a 20-year warranty that extends a little bit more, you need to incorporate some sort of an accessory, a bench, um, some sort of a, an additional purchase item in there, and then the whole room needs to be waterproofed, not just a shower. I'm interested. Have you focus on commercial, probably. Okay. It would be that take. And that gives you a 20-year warranty. And again, that's inclusive of everything. So let's just say, back to the beginning part of this, um, you know, the, the, the old lady Jenkins that you went to and you redid her shower and everything and it ended up leaking and actually leaked downstairs on top of her 
TV and her couch and it caused TV and couch damage and we was responsible for that. We pay for all of that. Comprehensive. We are not talking about affected material and affected square footage only, or we're not talking about weedy only. So I don't want to talk about what other companies or other warranties do or do not do, Carlo, or anyone else asking this question, but from the frame of what weedy is, that's what we're providing. That's like a great we do research about yeah. other stuff. That sounds like a great comprehensive. I really like how you explain that. Thank you. Adam, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, he touched. you touched on something that uh, I thought would be appropriate for this podcast, um, being it, that it's about the business of tile. And that's the importance of really record keeping and proper bookkeeping and job costing. So if you uh, really want that warranty, you really need to be diligent about, you know, keeping your invoices and that helps you with your bookkeeping anyway because you should be, we all should be, and it's harder for smaller guys to do, but we really should be comprehensively job costing and going, well, I use five sheets of Weedy that cost me this much per foot or whatever, however you want to look at it. I put this many hours into my job and all of those things help you, give you data to actually make sure your price is the right so price. So you know your numbers. You know your numbers. Yeah. And then you have That's the important. added benefit of, I know I have proper records when, if the day comes that I have to make a claim. I like it. Yep. I like it. It's just going to lead to more record keeping, you know, not less. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, and as, as a small contractor myself, those are challenging things, but those are necessary steps to becoming a real, uh, you know, real business. You bet. I can pay all that money for it. You have this, you have, you can, if anyone knows me, you know I talk about cars. Porsches a lot, but you, know, you go and buy that Porsche. It's state of the art, right? You pay pay all that money for it. He know that that thing can perform at 180 miles an hour and go around this corner at a certain level. Okay. Yeah. Well, what happens when you don't maintain it? Sure. Yeah. A system does not work if not properly maintained. So, in my yeah, opinion, in, in construction, or in any business, but obviously construction business and tile business, if you're not properly documenting what you're doing, if you're and this goes in when we talk about bids and stuff, then you're not really servicing the product that you're installing, you're not really servicing that product you pay for. So, and, and, and you know, that's probably the case with any system that you purchase. It's a system as opposed to a method, as opposed to an individual product. These things go together a certain way and there has to be back, there has to be backbone to that. There has to be, and there's plenty of backbone that we eat. So, it's not just fire and forget product. It takes away, uh, I'm not a scientist, but let's say 90 to 95% reliability. Yeah. Takes takes away that. But does that mean that you should just not document and not keep things and not worry about it? Because weedy is so safe that oh you know, I'm not I'm never gonna really have to deal with it, so why keep it? No, you should absolutely keep it. Yeah. So there's um, a little fun statistic for you. And we don't have two thousand eighteen obviously, but in two thousand seventeen we had twenty seven thousand, this is a rough, you know, rounded number, but twenty seven thousand weedy installations in the country. If you compare that to how many showers there are, that's really not a lot. But there's 27,000 weedy installations in 2017. We had a grand total of 40 callbacks. 4-0. Wow. Now, it doesn't mean the 4-0 um, warranty claims that we had to go and issue out. That's calls saying, come look at my shower. 4-0. Of that, we had one. That was our fault. That was our fault. It was a rep like myself who simply told me installer incorrect information, installer followed that information, and of course we took, we took responsibility for that. So if you look at those numbers, I can compute it on the phone, but I just did this last week in Chicago, that's like 0.002%. Yeah. 
a failure. Yeah. Okay. That means you're safer installing a weedy system in your house than you are flying the plane. That's wild. So <laughs> that's wild. Dude. A little bit of numbers for you guys. The yeah. when you're when there in your phone watching this video, go back and look through that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's some good information. Thank you. You know, and that actually covers both uh, the first and the second question. Adam Christensen had wanted to know about the pro, um, the benefits to being a pro. I might have looked at these questions ahead of time. Yeah. Oh, that's you know, <laughs> the thing about it is, is um, it seems to be a hot topic and something they want to answer. So I think you did a really good job of answering that. I'm, I actually learned learned a lot about that. Just Before that. we move on to that, let me follow up as kind of an ancillary. Uh, Remark. I've actually talked to Adam about this personally on, on, on social media. It is not good business to sell a product out the door as fast as you can for the sake of making this one high dollar sale. This applies to you, applies to me, applies to Weedy, applies to everybody, applies to whoever made that TV, etc., etc. And then compromise your loyalty in the back end of that. If you have to compromise in the front end to get a sale out the front end, you've sold a flash product. You have no loyalty. It's not good business to push out something quickly without backup. Okay, so we want long term. Here's the thing: I'm a sales rep, right? I don't actually do any selling. Though. You're not buying weed for me. You're never gonna buy weed for me. So my job's a little interesting. Um, I, I typically will work with distributors. I'm not interested in getting Adam to buy weed he wants or you to buy weed he wants. Yeah, I would love it. Please buy it. I'm grateful if you do use it. But my purview, the reason why I have a job, is not to convince you to buy weed twice. Okay, we want, and this is true of any good marketing program, we want loyalty. The loyalty is less of a logical, less of a, a reasonable standpoint, and it's more of an emotional standpoint. Okay, I fly a lot in this job, as you know. This is a great example. Most of the time, I fly Alaska Airlines. Uh, points, they bought me up to first class. Sometimes they almost always bought me up to premium class, at least. You know, and I board sooner, and I like it. And here's the thing: when I go to Vegas actually out of my way to fly Alaska because I have to go to San Francisco to fly to Vegas and use Alaska. But I do it anyway. I can fly out of Sacramento and go on an airline. I do that because it's a loyalty thing. It's an emotional thing. They've bought my loyalty by giving me enough comfort and safety and confidence in their product and their services and their, their culture that I drive two and a half hours from my house to San Francisco to fly to Vegas and Alaska. But I can fly directly out of Sacramento. So put that in perspective. We want to encourage loyalty. So it is in our best interest, and consequently your best interest, and consequently the homeowner, the consumer's best interest, who pays all of our bills right, that we keep a good relationship with you. We don't care if we sell one or two systems. That's not the point. We want to teach. We want to educate. We want to pioneer. We're not really in the business of blending in with the cool guy right now. That's not really the point. So the warranties. The point of the warranty is not to provide a basis for us to legally get out of responsibility out of a certain install. I can speak from my own experience. I've gone on warranty claims on a half a dozen warranty calls that were deemed and admitted to not be our liability. And we still did as much as we could for them because we want to keep that interaction. We want to positively affect the market. So the entire perspective, this is my point of the entire thing that I'm saying here, the whole perspective of what we're doing is framed from the standpoint of we want to know, we want to be involved, we want an actual relationship with, because we want loyalty. And with that comes sales, you bet, because if we don't sell, I don't have a job, right? 
we all know that. We're all salespeople when it comes down to it. But we're affecting our industry. Yeah. And when Granny Jenkins is happy ultimately, she's the one who's actually paying all of our salaries, the industry is strengthened. So at no point in time, and I don't think this is true with any of the other guys either, the other color, the other flavor systems, at no point are we trying to get away from liability. Right. We're there to help. In fact, from a salesperson standpoint, when you come to me with an objection, we used to sell cars, people are like, I don't like this. Right. That gives me something to accomplish. That gives me, your objection is an opportunity for me to cater to you specifically and get you to come back and buy another two, three, four car from me. So I have a walk on So that's, that's the way that I believe is a healthy way to frame our interactions with the public, yeah. our interactions with the installers. Because even though you don't pay our salaries, the consumer does, you're still a customer. So. Can you take that uh, that same perspective and then try to spin that from the contractor's point of view and his customers? Yeah, he needs loyalty I, too. Yeah. yeah. So Especially right. as a small guy. Yeah. How I mean, you may not have a way to even calculate this. I sure didn't when I was installing. But what does it cost for you to obtain a customer? Right. I mean, we're talking a massive. The moment you get in front of them, you got to work that for everything that you can get, and you need to be. You need to absolutely make them love you, like you, respect you, trust you. That's true for me in my job. That's true for you guys all day long. And, and I like your illustration of the airplane, and it ties into what we're talking about. If I called you up and say, hey, you know, um, I, I got a trip coming up to Arizona or, you know, New York. What, you fly a lot, you know, you fly a lot. What do you recommend? What airline do you think you recommend? You're going to say, hands down, what was the last Alaska, Alaska has airline. been great for me. I'm hands down. Yeah. And now you become a spokesman. And as business owners, we become the spokesmen of the companies that we trust and that we're loyal to. Yep. And loyal so, to. And our customers then kind of the same for us. Yeah. You know, so. yep. It, yep. And it, it circles back. Exactly. Then the customers yep. say, you know what? Adam Colfer Tile, he installed this amazing tile job and he was actually so excited about not just the tile but what was behind the tile and we're so excited about it as well we we never knew you know the difference but now we do yeah that's so now I'll take that take our our example of that and I'll spread that across the whole industry now the, and we were talking about that at lunch today right that open communication where we respect the fact that old, old lady Jenkins maybe an old lady Jenkins but she's got an iPhone, she's got Google, right. and she's watched a few videos. And we all right. joke about that, right? Oh, well, you know, I watched a YouTube video, I know that's all that. But the fact is, is that our consumers are far more educated now than they were in the early 90s. Yeah. And far, I mean, in the early 90s, Encyclopedia Britannica was my Google, okay? And I was, I was hot stuff having that. Yeah. Like, that was cool, yeah. okay? So we have to understand that our end consumer knows more. It may not be accurate information, but they don't know that. Yeah. It's not our duty now to not only install and to service the business, but it's also our duty to sell. And it's our duty to educate. Selling is, a, is not a passive thing, okay? Right. How often would, if I just say, hey guys, buy Wheaties the best. I mean, that, that's, that's how I feel, yeah. But how, how many people would buy Wheaties because I just say, hey guys, buy Wheaties the best. Hang loose for okay? I might get a couple guys, but that doesn't build a market. How do you know that, in your opinion, color this or flavor that or this, whether it be weedy or whatever else, is better than something else? You know that because of open communication from those companies, and you know that because of what, you, what you've what you done provides the evidence for what they've done. 
we go back to the car, now, okay? if I'm selling you a, a used Toyota or I'm selling you a Porsche, and I basically tell you that I frame it like, well, they both got an engine, both got transmission, they both got wheels. One cost $120,700, and one cost $2,700. Who's gonna go with the Porsche? It's the same thing, right? I know that sounds crazy to us now, it sounds asinine because we know what a Porsche is, but but to our industry, people don't know that. People do not understand the difference between ceramic and porcelain. They don't understand the difference between Home Depot's 79 cents per square foot porcelain, which is rejected ceramic, right? To, not to call that Home Depot, but you know, they have good stuff too, but as opposed to the stuff that you're paying six or seven dollars a square foot for at your tile boutique. They don't know that there's differences in the craftsmanship and the way that the materials work or don't work. And the limitations, you know, if, you, if you're going to put marble in a shower, you can do that. But there's some things you need to know about that, right? It has nothing right. to do with what's behind it. If they don't know all that stuff, it's all the same to them, right? Yeah. So I think that's our job as a manufacturer to educate you guys. And it's your job, ultimately, to educate the consumer about all these things. So this goes into what I was talking about before, where I think tile, especially, this isn't only true about tile, but certainly for tile installers, you have your people who simply install, but then you have your artisans, right, masters, the people that are running a business. We get enough of those people that are running a business that are masters of it, and the entire industry shifts and changes for the better, not worse. You know, when, first, when, when YouTube first came on, when, when AOL first said you got mail and now you can look up everything on the planet, okay, a lot of bad information on the internet. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. There still is. But there's going to be, unless people like us speak up and say, this is actually the proper way to do something, and you do it this way because X, Y, Z. And in that way, this allows you the opportunity to say, hey, it's more expensive. Well, why do you? Absolutely. But there's this product we do. There's this product of whatever it is that you prefer. Right. And it accomplishes these things by doing this. Oh, I'm willing to pay 120 grand for that Porsche that goes 200 miles an hour around the corner. Because now they know what happens if they try to go 80 around the corner of the camera. Right. Right? So that's my, my two cents on it, is communication. So yeah, I like it. I like it. Communication, sales, um, belief, you know, loyalty, it all plays a, a very important part in running our business. You know, our, our good friend Lance uh, Latham, he had a, a good question here about <laughs> how much fun are you going to have at the next My Name is Mud 2? Now, for those of you who don't know what this is, there's a Facebook group called Mud. And they have a they have a little shingding, if you will, a little powwow. <laughs> and where where is this in Fresno? I, yeah, it's in Fresno. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah. A, I believe it'll be at Desoto. At Desoto's in in, um, in Fresno. So he said, how you know how are you looking forward to that? I know you were at the last one. I wasn't at my name is Mud the first one because that happened oh, okay. in March. Okay. I got hired by company in March, but that's all good. Um, but I've been to Desoto. I've opened them up as a distributor. And Lance, I spent a lot of time with Lance and Mario, and, and uh, I can go on and on and on with the names. Uh, but what he's getting at is uh, the mud crowd, particularly here in California, for those of you that may not be here, uh, is uh, a lot of character. A lot. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a, uh, a biker gang having a meeting at the bar. <laughs> that's kind of how that feels. So I actually, to actually really answer the question, and I think Lance knows this, and that's why he's probing me, um, I don't like talking with mud guys a lot, actually. Um, don't get me wrong, like, I'll talk to everybody. It's my job, and I like, you know, I'll talk to mud guys, uh, foam guys all the time, but mud guys are, are particularly, especially in that area that I've met, I've met a decent selection of them. Uh, spicy. They're spicy. <laughs> they're, they're spicy. That's um, a good way to put it. 
and they're not, they're, they're not, we, we had this in the Marine Corps, you kind of think like, oh, the infantry guys are just a bunch of like, grunts. Obviously they like, don't have any other skills, so they just run around with a gun all day. Well, here's an actual reality. Those infantry guys running around with a gun all day are super smart. That's why they're alive still. <laughs> so, but we, but we don't think about it that way. And I feel like that's kind of how the mud is. Like you think like, oh, they're, they're just, you know, the monkey slinging mud. But actually, if you understand how mud works or something that doesn't work and why it doesn't work and how it does work, you, you again, it goes back to my artisan comment. Um, I'm all for using weedy guys. I'm all for using <laughs> foam. Uh, but I would, I would even make fun of myself and say, just kind of a joke about like, installing weedy is a little more arts and crafts. Okay, when you're doing tile work, that's that's absolutely a craftsmanship thing. I think when you're doing mud, and by mud, I don't just mean I mean mud pans, yeah, but I mean floating too. There's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into that too. It's yeah. much more of a process. It's a it's a skill that you really have to earn. It is a true skill set. Okay, what let's let's really be honest. What do you need to install weedy? Okay, and I'm not ashamed to say this because this is good for me. Um, you need to be able to read a tape measure. Uh, you know, use a hand saw or a circular saw, you know, maybe cut a straight line or a taper or, you know, uh, use a screw gun, use a trowel, use a putty knife, uh, use a caulking gun, and a level will be real handy. And these are really basic tools yeah. right now. Uh, no, we don't even think about it. Let's talk about mud now. What does it take? Well, now I can sit here and expertly tell you what's needed in most mud situations. But me telling you that gives no credence whatsoever to how it actually gets done. So with that comes a lot of pride, which of course they've earned, and I, and I respect that. And I don't, I don't, I haven't got that far yet. You know, I've done a dozen mud pants. I'm not a mud guy. You know, I've used it. Uh, so they're, they're definitely spicy. Lance knows that. It's challenging. But going back to my my car salesman comment, you know, when you when you come and tell me, oh, I have this and this done, this and this and this for me, and I just refuse to look at new stuff, that gives me a challenge that I can overcome. So if I can weed through sort of the emotion, the spiciness, and get down to the deep tech. I enjoy it, I've done it, I've done two there right now, and I, and I love it. I, can, I enjoy watching the mud guys be like, this bastard, you know, he's like, you know, whatever. And then halfway through the workshop, they're like, dang, man. You know, watching me, my 250 pounds jump up on top of this foam that's glued to the wall, and they're like, yeah. you know. So it, it's fun, you get to see this complete character change sometimes. Okay, not all the time. Right. I've had a few people still stay pretty like, you know, whatever, but it's fun. I enjoy it, and I welcome more mud guys. And Jose, I know you're going to be watching this, dude. Someday. Someday I'll have you. It may not be a workshop you come to, Jose, but you might come to My Name is Mud, too, and then all of a sudden be building a weedy shower, just saying. So, <laughs> you never know. You never know. We've seen stranger things. <laughs> we've, we've seen stranger things. Maya already gave me the okay that I could do what I wanted there, so if you got problems, Hit up Mario, but I'm I'm coming in, coming in strong. Coming well, in strong. I'm looking loaded. forward to it. I know Adam's planning on being there. Um, I know all the mud guys are going to be there. Probably some. I know some people might fly from out of state. Uh, even last year they did that. They did. Um, I think Robert Davis flew down, right? They did. Well, even in the Arctic's, we had guys coming out of yeah, state too. Yeah, yeah. So we have a pretty good turnout here. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really cool. Um, and mud is something that you know if you use it and you're going to sell that, you can use some. You can learn something. You know. Here for we can hybrid all day long, yeah. Well, you can learn the sales techniques, and you can learn, you know, right. and at least you're opening your mind to the possibility that maybe someday you want to, you know, make make the switch, um, or maybe you want to just have a have a civilized conversation about it. 
know? <laughs> I can carry up all the weed to a full shower in my hand upstairs alone. Just yeah, saying. yeah. So you've been thrown into mud territory to sell your product. Yeah, I, I certainly have been. So <laughs> what, uh, are there anything that, is there anything you've learned in working with and trying to sell to guys that are very resistant to the whole concept of working with foam? Is there any of those sales yeah. sales uh, ideas or principles that you might share with that could carry over to, to say to me selling to a contractor that doesn't know me or is resistant to the idea of maybe, hey, I want to try another method than what you're used to? That's, um, a, that's a great point because, you know, if you're working for general contractors, which a lot of us do, it's all, it's also a hard sell because they're not as educated as you are and they don't want to be. No. Right. They don't feel like they need to be. No. You're the expert, right? So yeah, I mean, I had the same same interaction sometimes. But um, to answer your question, I would say that probably right out the bat, the first thing I learned, first thing that I advise you to do or not do is don't tell them that you're they're wrong. First of all, don't say that. Um, I, I've again most of the mud information that I know about, I, I've learned, you know, the basics of it when I was in Southern Utah myself and I did it, and you know, and I can read and stuff, but. All these interactions that like artists when I talk with you, and I mean, I have conversations like this, not videotape, but I have conversations like this for a living with people all the time. And so I extrapolate a lot from people, and that's where I've learned most of the information that I've learned about it. So I understand that their key concerns is um, quality. Mud guys, quality is a big thing. If you have the skill set, again, there's a caveat to this, right? Skill set. If you have the skill set, then you can make mud into a perfect substrate. You can build that Porsche out of it if you have a skill set. Okay. Now you can set really anything you want to it. So in order for me to sit down and talk with you and say, hey Adam, uh, I'd love to basically pitch you Weedy, okay? You know, In order to do that, I can just say, Adam, Weedy's really cool, dude. It's German, it's expensive, but it's totally waterproof and it's light and like, it's just cool, dude, you should buy it. Well, okay, that might be the point, but that's not gonna do anything. I need to sit down, the best thing to do, when I learned it from selling cars, when you wanna sell a car, is let them talk. Let them talk pick up on things and figure out where the pressure points are. Figure out the features, advantage, and benefits of the things that they don't like about a particular thing. Find out that the mud guy is super vital because actually his great-great-granddaddy did mud and every succession passed then. So at no point is Weedy going to compete with that sense of pride. At no point. Right. But at the same time, he also might be 38 years old and on the second knee. And have a, you know, he's done having kids but just found out that he they actually have one more. He's got to think about long game here. Yeah. So it's if the I guess my, my point is uh, the moment you get into a who's better contest, you lost. You're done. Right. You're, you're out of. It. I'll be that guy who says this. Newman's married. You understand this, okay? The moment you try to strong arm your spouse and say I'm right because I'm right, you still lost. Yeah. So it's it's the same concept. Sales, real sales, is not about pushing. It's about informing. It's about communicating. It's about opening up options, not closing them off, okay? Closing them off would be the fear-based mindset, which I kind of just did a little bit of this the strikes of drama in the conversation by telling you that it's safer to install weedy in your shower than flying a plane, right? It's really impactful, but that tends to be fear-based, yeah. limiting. Oh, now I better install weedy, otherwise I'm dead. Right. That's not probably not really the case. You know, that's not really the point, but that's kind of what some people take from it. In my opinion, humbly speaking, and some people would disagree with the humble part, but my opinion is that real salesmanship is having the knowledge about enough products. You don't have to be an expert in all these products, but having enough knowledge in these products that you can open up 
areas open up eyeballs. And when doing that, and if you instill in the people that tend to like you, and tend to trust you, they may not necessarily agree with you. But if they like you enough that, hey, hey this guy's not a bad guy. You know, he's not really my flavor. He's not who I'd go have a beer with, but you know, I can respect him, so be it. They'll remember that. Even you, Jose. I know you hate going to me talking about weedy, but, but the fact is, you're in the conversation. He's thinking about it. When he's thinking about it, they're doing the work for you when you're gone. That's salesmanship. Salesmanship is leaving a seed. And allowing it to grow. Not like flooding with water saying grow or else. That's not salesmanship, right? That's beating out the door. In a war that works, it doesn't work so well in our industry. So that's my, that'd be my two cents is be kind of open-minded and get from them what you can get from them and try to adapt and figure out what they care about. They don't need to know that Weedy or, or this color or, or your product is better than Luke's. You're just a good alternative to Luke Miller, Tyler, and Stone. Right. You're better or worse. And then you allow them to make that decision. Well, you know, he was a little bit more expensive, but this other guy had a little bit more thorough bid. But, well, this guy's not available for three months. You let them figure it out, but you just keep the door open. You mentioned something, you mentioned uh, getting them to talk. Get, and listening, so you're yep. asking open-ended questions and looking for those opportunities where you can you can shine, where you can yeah. show that, give them some options. Well, you know, I have a problem with this, or I didn't like this about my last title installation, and then it gives yep. you some opportunities. So if you can get them to talk, and you can come in and be the hero. So it's like, I understand. I know why that happened. Let me talk to you about that. Right. So instead of instead of showing up and blabbering your mouth, now you're not a contractor. Right. Now you're Adam. Adam happens to know a lot about Tyler, I think, because, and this is not to talk bad about our culture, but our culture tends to be quite standoffish, okay, when it comes to our, our, our a lot of times we'll say, hey, how you doing, and then not care about what they say, right, yeah. it just seems a culture, so, the, and, and extend from our culture, and just think about the way the human brain works, um, we're in sort of primal mode when we meet people that we don't know yet, we're instantly thinking, basically, Threat or no threat? That's what we're first trying to determine. And this may happen like that. It may happen a lot. It may take longer than that. But if you meet Hector or something, you're going to take a little bit longer to figure out the situation. You're welcome, Hector. I met you too, I know. Anyway, so when you, when you get over that, when you accomplish the task of getting over that first hurdle of, am I a threat or not a threat? Now, when you come into their house talking about tile, they're not really thinking, is this guy a threat to me? But what they're talking about is, does he present good work or not? And once they determine or they start to believe that you could possibly be in the category of this guy knows what he's talking about, all of a sudden your options open up laterally. That's the first step you have to overcome. They have to respect you, like you, to trust you. When they trust you, they will follow your lead. Sometimes that means you need to concede a little bit too, perhaps, you know. The more that you can get to know what their intentions are, the more you can cater toward the right path. Um, for instance, I basically refused to use cementitious crowd after a couple of years. I, I just got to the point where it's like, liability, we talked about this before at lunch, liability for me was, was sky high. So I would only use an epoxy, not an epoxy, um, a urethane or acrylic grout. Well, my little Bostic plug here for you guys, my preferred personal grout would be quartz lock too, but it's very expensive. But it's very expensive because it's that Porsche. And, I, and what I could do with it was this broad range, okay? So I had clients who gave me the ability to use that kind of money, hands down, all the time. 
Um, but if I knew based on me listening to them that they want they want it to last forever, they want no maintenance, but they can't buy a Porsche. You know, I pick up something more middle ground. That's still a urethane or acrylic. You know, maybe a Ian and I were talking about today briefly, you know, customs, Fusion Pro or something. Okay. Cheaper price, but still gets the benefits. When yeah. you do things like that, you make little concessions like that, it really helps them know that you didn't just say, hey, I'm going to look out for you. You did it, and they saw it, and they came to that conclusion themselves. At that point, they're inviting you over for Christmas, and trying to get you to go on a date with their granddaughter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because you add them, you're cool. Oh, and you do talk, too. And I'm going to pay you for it. Now, at that point in time, your position, the frame control, to do tile at a price that makes sense for your business where you're going to be able to afford to pay your guys or pay yourself and they still get a good product and they're happy with it. Okay? I'm, I talk about Porsche a lot, but I'm actually a Mustang guy, okay? I will pay <laughs> 70 grand to buy a Shelby GT500 all day and every time I make that $1,200 payment, I will pay it and love every penny of it leaving my bank account. But that's my emotional connection, right? And that's my final point about the sales is emotional. People buy, period, based on emotion. We find logical reasons to justify our emotional conclusions. And sometimes that means people reject sales on an emotional basis. I know the Porsche is mechanically superior to my Shelby. I just don't care. I like my Shelby. So that's kind of drawn out. Hopefully you guys like the car references, but that's that's my answer is whether it's the mud guys is certainly a very difficult market Okay, you two, certainly. Yeah. Okay, it's a lot easier for me to sell weedy to somebody who's already familiar with another type of foam. Great, you have all this in common, here's the differences. That's not the conversation I have with Mud Guy. I'm not talking about Mud Guy, we gotta, we gotta go all the way back to like theory and like framing and, and, and literally framing as well as frame control, the way you present things and the way they run a business and material cost and time. And that gets into skill sets. Again, if you have the skill set, there are some people that truly, and I met a couple of them, and Jose very well might be one of them. In fact, I actually, Jose, I think I've told you this before, you may be a person who has such a high skill set with mud that it makes no difference for you to go to another product because you have the skill set to do it in an efficient manner and you like it. And, and you just understand how to not, how to avoid problems because for every one way to do mud, there's 900 ways to do it in a way that can compromise things, right? Yeah. Now, how many people truly have that level of mastery? Those are the people that would be a market for me. That's my two. Because so the other, that's my final answer. You got to know who you're talking to. And I think you discover who you're talking to by allowing them. But then there's a caveat to that too. They can't just talk and talk and talk. They better be telling you something useful. So there's a little bit of skill how to try and, and, and push people. Like, well, let's go back over here and now talk. You know, a little bit of hurdle, a sheep hurting, if you will. Okay. Because some people, um, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, will just start talking way over here. Yeah, it's not going to produce anything useful for you. Yeah. And it actually just makes them flustered. So. so you have to ask probing questions and then keep the conversation. Yeah. So my suggestion to do that is have a decent idea about what kind of response you're going to get. Okay. Have a decent idea as much as possible. Yeah. So, um, and I guarantee you that when Lance asked that question, he knew exactly what response he's going to get. You're welcome for the free DeSoto and mud plugs, by the way. That's for why sure. he asked that question. He knew, he knew you were going to talk Smart about DeSoto. Well, I mean, Lance and I have had some, well, Lance and I have had some good colorful conversations. 
we're, we're good friends. Good, good. So anyway. All right. So uh, thank you for all, for that. Um, going pretty deep there, and I really like the points. You know that sales, all the sales points. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of good information. I I would say rewind that the last five minutes and listen to that again. I'm going to do the same. Yeah. yeah. Now. Uh, Me too. <laughs> we had we had a couple questions from Instagram. Uh, Tiger Mountain Tile. Oh, Jim. Yeah, Jim Upton. You know, he wanted to he wanted to know something, but you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't spend so much time on it. And maybe if you could just direct us, maybe to do some some research after this. I mean, we could spend a few minutes on it. Sure. But I know this conversation goes deep. So, what's the difference between XPS, EPS, and poly polyiso? Oh, you threw in poly in there, did you, Jim? Uh, so I'll talk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna partially answer that. We're gonna talk about XPS and we're gonna talk about EPS. Polyiso is difficult for me to talk about because there's really only one name that uses polyiso, and that's not my intention to sit here and light people up, right? So having said that, polyiso is a type of foam, and it's a completely different kind of family of foam. Um, it's much different. It's been traditionally used in the marketplace for other things than how we're talking about it. Such as? Uh, other types of insulations and things. Not so much what we're talking about, tile and water and etc. So I'll let you guys do your own research on polyiso. It is, it, but the thing to take away is it is different, much different build, um, much different mechanics, and, and that will be very evident when you look at the price of the polyiso product compared to the price of pretty much any other product that we're talking about. We need included for sure. So you make your own uh, assertions about that, Jim, since I already know you know the answer, buddy. Uh, EPS and XPS, that, this, this is something I love and we'll talk about in all the classes. EPS is essentially styrofoam. It means expanded polystyrene. Everything's going to be polystyrene, styrofoam, okay? Um, expanded polystyrene, again, if you if, we have these plastic cups here, but if we had styrofoam cups, I don't see one around here. If you're looking at a styrofoam cup, even without your glasses, if you're not blind like me, you can see little dots, little balls, okay? So essentially what that is, there's a bunch of little dots of styrofoam put into some sort of a form, a cup or whatever it is, and then heated in and then they expand, okay? And that creates the shape. It's cheap, it's inexpensive, okay? It's readily available all over the place. It's just easy to get a hold of, easy to make, okay? It's water resistant, not waterproof, okay? Um, and that's it. That's basically the, basically the gist. It's cheap and readily available, okay? So the systems that you're referring to when you talk about EPS, and I'm not going to name, but have to be waterproofed after the EPS foam pan is laid down. That's fine. It's not waterproof. So if you look at that from a molecular level, okay, let's say this was, uh, say we had a five-gallon bucket. This is our five-gallon bucket, and we fill the bucket completely full of golf balls. You can't put any more golf balls in it. That's essentially what EPS looks like under a microscope. So could I dump water into that bucket then? A whole lot less than I could have before, but yeah, water will pass through the molecules over, over it, given enough time. Another trait of it um, is that it tends to break down a little bit on the seams, on the, on where the seams are at on the sides, under water exposure, under weight. It's also not as strong from a compression standpoint, because you have that gaps, it compresses, right? But again, it's cheap, it's readily available, and it's lightweight, etc. It's a great wall, like an air gap insulator, like you put between your, your joists. Uh, so it's great for that, not as ideal for water applications. Flip that around, XPS is basically the invert of that, extruded polystyrene. So I'm not going to get into the uh, manufacturing processes, but extruded basically means it's cut down from a larger substance. So giant foam blocks cut down to 
chunks. So it's solid, which what's called closed cell. So if you're looking under a microscope, and I can't do this with my hands, but imagine my hands were going to make it like a honeycomb fashion, okay? That's what it looks like under, under a microscope. So the compressive nature is a whole lot stronger from the bare foam itself because it's closed cell. And because it's closed cell, water does not transfer through it. So it's waterproof or internally waterproof, okay? But it's more expensive. It's more exotic. It's a different process. It's not a styrofoam cup, which is why you don't see the styrofoam cups that we throw away. Um, Weedy's walls, this is what he's getting to, walls and our foam, all of our foam, our pans and walls are all XPS, it's all the same thing. So it's internally waterproof, it has nothing to do with what's on the face of the building panels, which is why we can bond a cementitious coating to it um, with resin, a cement resin coating, which allows you to set anything that you want effectively, whatever size you want, whatever material that you want. Which goes back to when I talk to mud guys, one of the things that they want is I can sell whatever I want, dude. Because there's limitations to that. When you're talking about potentially other systems, and we're talking about some of the deep tech with modified insects and how now they're starting to chemically cure as opposed to air cure. So again, without getting into all of that, but so all of Weedy is XPS. It's all the expensive stuff. It's all internally waterproof entirely. So that's the advantage. EPS is not internally waterproof. It has to be waterproofed after the fact, and, and, and it compresses. Um, a lot more than than, uh, than Weedy does. Then obviously the caveat to that, to be fair about the foam, those Weedy has a cementitious coating on it, and then it has the fiberglass. So that provides a lot. Of, that provides the bulk of the resistance. <laughs> but foam the foam, XBS is stronger. But it's not as good of an air gap insulator. Much better for water. So now asterisks to that entire conversation. There's still different grades of all of the above, right? There's different densities. There's still high density EPS that doesn't really cost, that costs more, you know, and there's high density XPS. Well, there's also cheap, crappy XPS as well as cheap, crappy EPS. So that's where if you're really trying to get into, hey, what system's going to perform to whatever I want under a given job, you need to look a little further than the color of the foam and the type of the foam and start looking at the compression values of the foam, start looking at all the deep tech, which should be, and in Weedy's case, let's just talk about Weedy, not everyone else is in our technical data sheets. Okay, and we can talk about that. One easy way for me to showcase what I mean by that, uh, and I have you know, the samples I gave you in the bag. Uh, the half-inch weedy is rated by the uh, Robinson floor test. We can look it up in the, in the TDS, guys. Uh, for heavy-duty commercial use, which means the half-inch foam board can be thin-sided down to a slab and tiled over, and then a forklift can drive over it. Okay, currently, to my knowledge, is the only foam system rated at that level wow. for that use. Now, how often you're going to be doing that, I don't know. That seems pretty extravagant to me. The point is that gives you an indication of its compression ability or its resistance to being compressed is my ultimate point. Yeah. So, And that also gives you... Now, how often do you install tiles to a wall and then worry about the tile compressing the foam? Right. That's not typical. I mean, if you're on a floor, absolutely, yeah, all day long, or pan, yeah. But on a wall, not so much. So when, when the weight is added and, and, and weight pulls off, that's a shear force, etc. It still adds it because that foam isn't pulling apart. It's not compressing it. It's not pulling apart in the way that that face is bonded to the foam. It all plays together. So again, we do more research, but that's the basic function is. XPS is waterproof, expensive. EPS is water resistant, inexpensive. Yeah. Not as strong. Any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I, I love 
does, is there a different with the different grades of XPS? Do is does the perm rating change? Uh, I would imagine so, but I'm not an official. I, I don't truly know. Okay. I don't. My understanding, the perm rating is relative to its thickness. Okay. Um, as well as some other things. So, uh, but. So theoretically, if I was cleaning my grout joints the next day with a with a knife, a blade, and would I have to, you know, if I thought maybe I punctured the top of the the weedy, the weedy board, tear the whole thing out, tear the whole thing out, right? Okay. So it's completely waterproof through ninety percent penetration. Okay, that's what we read it for. So unless you're literally doing a hole through it. So when it comes to pans, okay, commercial jobs that we're talking about doing this 918 shower job, commercial job in Vegas, one of the big pitching points that I've uh, that I pitched the project and sold it on was the fact that the pans are just much more rigid, much more rigid, much faster than mud, much more rigid than other other products. So when you got a whole crew of commercial guys in there slapping that stuff in quickly, right? Okay, you drop a screwdriver on it, you drop a, a washer on it. I do it all the time. I drop my teeth, my washer, and do it. You're not screwing up the waterproofing because the waterproofing is not the face of it. Right. right. So unless you truly actually go through an inch all and a half in the pan, cool. then you have a problem. And how many times do you have a helper prepping your grab joints? You know, say, and maybe you maybe you have a crew, and maybe some of the guys on your crew are a little sloppy, and then you send the helper, the least yep. cautious and and you know educated guy over there to clean out the joints the next day with his knife. I mean, how many times might he nick something? If you have a topical waterproofing, then you got to think about that for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, so I think not the case so, here. So maybe people with big crews, this is really something to think about. There's a yeah. significant advantage to reproductibility mm -hmm. in commercial. For scale, it, or yeah, for being able to have scale your company. But so let's look at that in the inverse. What does that look like on a residential? Does that mean, hey, if I'm going to do a residential, I got three showers? What's really really going to give me? Well, here's the thing. What client have you ever had where you tell them you're going to do the mud method and they know what that means? Right. How many general contractors that pay you know what that is? Oh, well, quite a few. Well, around here. Around here, here in California. Yeah. But now, so good. Now, move a step forward. Who knows how it was made? What? How much silica was added? Okay. Was it pre-slope or single slope? Was there a liner or did you do a topical? Okay. Did you put felt down on the deck first, or some? Did you put some sort of a water barrier on, on the deck first? Does the guy even know why you do that? You know how much? Mud? All these things that we can go on and on and on and on and on about. Again, you can do this correctly, but who knows? The point is, is that you can't audit that process. That the we'll call it the project owner, whether that be commercial, GC, uh, homeowner, whoever owns a project and is ultimately paying you. How can they audit what mud prop method is and how it was done? And can you even remember two weeks later, two years later, the process in which you did it? So one of the advantages, and this is not exclusive to Weedy, this is just a, a, a prefabrication, right? But definitely Weedy, because I'm Weedy, right? I can audit Weedy, and I can sit there and say, here's a giant Weedy badge. This lady, I can send her the videos, I can send her the pamphlets. It's part of the reason why I gave you this lab bag. There's a bunch of stuff in there that will make it easier for you to sell Weedy to whoever you're doing the job to. That's in everyone's best interest. How-tos, so we understand that, hey, I now have a half an inch of waterproofing or an inch and a half of waterproofing, as opposed to, by the way, mills thickness, does anyone know? You know how many times I've asked in a workshop? Okay, so you guys got your mills gauge, right? And they're like... Most guys 
don't have one. See where I'm going there? Don't know how to use one. Never right? seen I mean, one. At Ardex, Terry was like, hey guys, and, and John, everyone, and, and they're spot on. They're 100% right. Okay, so it's not that those products don't perform, it's that you have to do them a very specific way, and there's not a lot of room for error. How do you make that audible for the homeowner now? Homeowner can now know when she sells that house in 10 years, hey, I got weedy in this thing, this thing is freaking gold. Yeah. Okay, you can't say that about mud. What? What's that? Like, guy went out and got mud out of your yard? And, <laughs> you know, that's a little dramatic, but so that's my two cents. Is, is you can, it comes down to salesmanship. When we were talking about bids today at lunch, and, and communication styles, and, and, and lining out line items, and, and what it costs, there's a lot more transparency, there's a lot more responsibility on your standpoint, but it allows you the ability to say, look, you're getting this Porsche system. And I know how to install it. And I'm cool with it. Oh, great, I have to have it. I have to have it, and that's my goal as a rep, right? Yeah. Go to every home show possible, and talk to as many homes, homeowners as possible, and get them to call you and say, Luke, I don't even want to talk to you unless you're gonna install weed, right? That's my realistic, that's what I want from my market. Yeah. So it, it just comes down to, Reproductibility on commercial is obvious. On residential, it may not be as obvious, but you're still selling a premium product. And whether that's weedy or another flavor, the salesmanship ability, the opportunity, is still still there. I welcome anyone to tell me how their sales pitch went about what mud method I'm going to use, and why it matters, and whether or not I ran my boards down to the deck, and then I mudded to or if I mudded it, and then I ran my boards a half inch above and siliconed it, or we can go up not not, but. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. it's simple enough for the homeowner to understand. Yeah. yeah. They can know they're getting a Porsche and recognize it easily. Yeah. And then it, again, it just makes you look like, oh, this guy's connected. Yeah. This guy knows stuff. This, guy knows, this stuff. guy knows high level stuff. This isn't a monkey. This is a business owner, right? This is a craftsman artist. Yeah, that reminds me of a story that's kind of funny. I have a friend who was, uh, he's, he was doing a side job. And he was calling and picking my brain about a, a phone system. And I go, I'm, I was giving him some pointers and I said, you know, man, call the rep. Here's the rep's phone number. So I, he calls the rep and he told me later, he's like, yeah, that really impressed the homeowner. He thought I was just like the coolest guy. Cause I, he's like, you know, the rep, you have the rep's phone number. That's the reason we do it. The reason so, we say that. you know, yeah. I mean, knowing your reps is, is huge you know, is. For, for running your business. I, I'll side with. But uh, you know, other people even interviewed have said, know your reps and have a relationship with them. Yeah. Have a relationship. Not only is it an AR job, but it just it connects the whole industry. Because ultimately, okay, it's all of our job, everyone watching this video, more than likely, and everyone here in this room, it's our job ultimately to service the end consumer. Right. Period. That's the ultimate goal. Okay. The more you do that, if you bury your head in the sand and say, Kyle's gonna change 15 times over the course of my career and I'm not ever gonna change, then hey dude, have fun. The rest of us will be growing. Yeah, so that's, you know, my two cents. You can lead a horse to water, right? So if they don't wanna take it, it's all good. Jose, I know you're thirsty, so don't play me like you're not, dude. <laughs> so I, I guess the last question there from Instagram was from Easy Floors. Are you familiar with at Easy Floors? Um, he asked about the new tileable drains when they're coming out. New tileable drains. So here's gonna be my response to basically all the questions like that uh, when new stuff is coming out. One, I'm flattered that you think that I'm that connected and that cool and that important. Really, I'm flattered. Um, two, stick around for 2019, dude. 
We got some cool stuff coming up. Stuff's changing. Yeah. I'm <laughs> not just here arbitrarily. Nice. Stuff's changing. So I'm not gonna. I, I I don't know. Okay. I'm not gonna. First of all, I'm not gonna speak out of tone or, or out of context, if you will. Um, I just know the company. There's just a lot of things changing, and, yeah. and I'm not just talking about tileable drains. I'm talking about the company, the products. Just stick around. Weeding is constantly evolving, and I see this all the time on the social media. When you know what was okay four years ago in our job, what, we, what you were told in our pro class four years ago, I'm now telling you on social media it's a little different than that because we learn, we evolve. First of all, we're people, right? We're, we're humans, we're not perfect. We do make mistakes, but we learn too. And going back to what I talked about earlier in the, in the podcast, Weedy is not here to blend in and be like a, hey, I got a product too, dude. Might as well buy it. Okay. Pioneers. We've been a pioneer. We were the first one to produce a foam system in '83, et cetera, et cetera. We've been a pioneer ever since then. We're not in the business of blending in. So if we do something that somebody doesn't like, I'm sorry that you don't like it, but we're doing it because we put an immense amount of resources behind it to understand the tech behind it, the reasons why, the physics, etc. They don't just do things blindly, uh, and they have to make sense across the board, not just because somebody else did something like that. It's not a check in the box. And so with that becomes the fact that we're not going to produce 900 products either. I can't give you 500 drain options. It's just not feasible. We're not a drain company, I guess is my honest answer. If you were to really break down what Weedy is, it produces specialized, proprietary, waterproof building products. That's the specialty. We're not a drain company. We're not a metal company. We're not a thin set company. Nothing against those things. That's just not what Weedy's scope is. Okay, and you know this when you're running a small business. If you try to tackle 500 things, you go nowhere pretty fast. You gotta focus on quality of our one product. Okay, we're making spaceships going to Mars, not making boats going to Bahamas. Somebody else does that. Okay. So 35 years ago, you said Weedy invented um, or, or started the first foam company. Yeah, we, we started producing what, the first. What did that board look like? The first board. What was that? A wall board? Same, similar to wall board. What we I see today. 100% know what it looks like. Okay. It was foam based, uh, tileable board. But it's though. changed. Yeah, that was our key product for a long time. Yeah. And of course, that's changed. I mean, it's become sure, a whole sure. system, whole family. Yeah. It's evolved. Obviously, we didn't run out the gate with two facilities, one in Germany, one in America, and. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think the reason I just wanted to highlight that and make sure that everybody heard that was, you know, this is nothing new. I mean, 35 years, that's, that's my lifetime, you know. You know, that's most of our lifetimes listening to this. Um, it's nothing like brand new. And a lot of times we think, well, this is brand new on the market. Let's, you know, I've heard all these comments. Like, let's see how this holds up in 20 years. It's like, well, how about let's just go back in time. So Wheaties been tested and rated 30 yeah. years. But the caveat to that is you have to do it according to the way that Weedy says. Yeah. Not respectfully, not your way. It can't be the way that, ah, that'll be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Which there's, makes sense. You know? There's deep tech, deep yeah. science into what we're doing. Um, if we sell you an extra $6 in Weedy sealant per shower, do you think that's going to change the company much? No, it's not. But when your shower lives longer than your client does, that affects us. That affects you. Okay. So I know there's the whole salesman thing. Like, oh, he's just trying to sell me two extra tubes of glue or whatever. Blah blah blah. It's your business. You run it the way you want. But we do what we do because the deep tech behind it. A lot of money is set behind it in R and D and the QC, quality control. All that stuff is announced. So 
so it's not arbitrary. This is not a me too product. Um, yeah, we've now we've been in America for about 15 years in North America. Okay, so now for Weedy's purposes, I'm going to you know, take over the social media for it. Um, that's America. We're still Canada, and we've sent Peter down in, in the Australia and New Zealand. Okay, we still have Germany, and we still have, I mean, there's Israel and Bahamas and there's Switzerland, and Weedy's an international company, but Weedy Corp is American. So that's North America, Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know when I'll have a new tileable drain, buddy. Yeah. I just know, keep looking out. Keep, keep an eye on us. Okay, well that's fair enough, that. fair enough, you know. And I, I wanted to talk about another subject too, that while at lunch we were talking about contracts, you know, my contracts, I played with a couple different models, but right now, I line itemize some things, but I have bulk numbers. Adam, what do your contracts look like? I've, I've been headed towards bulk numbers too. I was originally, I originally started out doing quite a few line items, mm -hmm. um, and uh, after looking at, uh, listening to different podcast, business-related podcasts and stuff like that, and uh, based on some uh, advice from other contractors, they, they recommend doing kind of less, less numbers is good, you know, give them a bottom line number. Um, but yeah, Kristen had a different uh, perspective yeah, on Kristen that. Yeah, Kristen had a different perspective, and this but subject right. is, we're talking about it in my Facebook group as well, Tile Money, um, because I, I, I shared one of my estimates and somebody said, you know, they kind of said what you were saying. Now, now what, how did you do your estimates back when you were contracting? Well, or, at, at first I, I, I looked on the internet and I said, okay, general, homewise.com, right, what's the right. general idea, okay. Then I go into my first couple of jobs and, and it doesn't even come close to paying me what I need to pay. So quickly learned, you know, you're in a fire now. Um, I started doing, at first I was doing a little bit of bulk, okay, I'm gonna charge you um, four grand to do your shower. Oh, okay, that's great. But then I get in there and I don't really have a plan of action, I don't really have a plan of attack. So in order to really answer this question, you gotta understand where I come from. Uh, four years in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps taught us that an 80% decision right now is better than a 100% decision later behind the desk when you know everything. Okay. So you've got to, the point of that is do your due diligence, be smart, be thinking, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, keep learning, but pull the trigger and make a decision to act. And even if you're a little bit wrong, you were still correct because you acted. So I always think that I need to be listening and learning. Well, it was very, very difficult for me to incorporate that knowledge that I learned in the Marine Corps, but I had no idea what my numbers were. I really didn't. I just, I just said, oh, that looks about like uh, $5,000 for the work. Okay, fine. But I, did, but I don't work that way. So I started saying, okay, what's it really going to cost me? Okay. Well, in order for me to really know what it's going to cost me, I really need to know the measurements. That's not actually 3 by 5 That's actually 61 and a quarter you know, by 34 and the ceiling tapers. So I'm now, and so it goes in, the, the point that I'm getting to is that I got to the point very quickly where I would line out my bids and it would take, first of all, I'd have like two pages of legal in there. And then I'd have like six pages sometimes. I mean, I have bids now that, that I put in for $45,000, $50,000 jobs and they're 12, 13 pages long. But it's every item lined out, but it's me communicating with that homeowner that, first of all, that's hard to do with the contractor. So respectfully speaking, even when my friends refer me to a general contractor, I still say, look, I'll work for you, but I need to have direct communication with the homeowner. Because if I go through you, it's just always going to fail. Yeah. Let me go to the homeowner. Okay, let me talk to them. And that allows me to sell them, right? 
Because what's the contractor say when he says, hey, let's use this product? Nope, not in the bid. Nope, not selling it. But when I can talk to the homeowner, oh, I'm going to use weedy. Oh, I'm going to use quartz lot too. Oh, I'm going to go all the way to the ceiling instead of six feet up. I'm going to do curbless now. Oh my gosh, this is the sexiest shower I've ever seen in my life. So it gives you that advantage. Yeah. The point is that the more that I know about the specifics of the job, the more I can line up the numbers. And yes, that means there's more room for them to say, well, I don't like the cost of this. Well, I don't care if you like the cost of it. That's what it costs me. Okay. So that's what it's going to cost you. Okay. You know, and you, and you, can, you can, that was a little bit crude, but you can check out for what, what you will. But at that point in time, it gives me the ability to communicate effectively what truly goes into this. I want them to understand how difficult it is to take their house, their framing, to a full art piece meant for them to basically flood it and not have any damage in their house twice a day for the next 34 hours. They need to understand that. And when they see a single page or two pages with a company letterhead, a paragraph, and some general price and whatever, and they think, this is just pretty, no wonder I can see it on HGTV. This is easy. Yeah. And builds a frame that this is complicated, that I know what I'm doing, that I'm an expert. I'm one of many experts. I'm not the only expert, but I'm definitely one of them. And you should be confident in me. So then, and, and what I would say is, look, I'm not going to charge you a markup. People do that, and that's fine. It's just supposed to what I did. I'm not going to charge you a markup of materials. This is the raw cost. This is the raw tax on it. This is my materials check. You're going to give me a materials check right off the bat for 100% of my materials, the whole job. I'm not floating anything. At all. Yeah. Nothing. Period. Yeah. I don't care. I love you. Invite you to Christmas, but I'm not floating anything for you. Yeah. Okay? So that's that's part of my deposit. Then labor would be completely separate from that. Okay? And then I would say, look, you're going to pay me more for my labor than you're going to pay the other guy. Absolutely. I'm not the most expensive, but I'm pretty close. I'm pretty expensive. But here's why. You're getting a guy to run the entire project because look at my 12 pages. That's what's here. Is what you're getting. I'm gonna go get all this stuff. I want to put all this stuff in, and I know how to use this stuff because I talked to my rep at you know my thin set, my grout, my etc. 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 I talked to my reps. I know these things, NTCA, etc. or TCNA, and I had massive success with that yeah. all the time. And it absolutely includes a weed, so I got it in a weed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I figured out that it reduces liability. And yeah, it's more expensive, but then I looked at my numbers and said, well, no, actually, it's not because I'm not that great at mud, and frankly. Hold me over there, can do three showers by the time I do one shower in mud. So, in order for me to survive, as you know, I'm 30, about to be 32 now, but I was 27 then, how do I compete in an uphill battle when they're looking at me saying, uh, how old are you? What do you know? Yeah. You have to come out. So, I'm not just starting at a disadvantage. It's an opportunity for me to establish and surprise them. Okay? So I think it's easier, it's more weight, it's more gravitas for me to come to you and sell you when I have a more detailed plan. Yes, that means you can't hide as much stuff, but it also means when something doesn't go right, because nothing ever goes wrong on a job site, ever, right? ever, okay, I can say, nope, page such and such, which leads me to my next point. It, it became a plan of action for me, a plan of attack. Again, it goes back to what the Marine Corps told me. We had this if there's any Marines listening to this, you guys are going to laugh, and nobody else will, but we have something called BAMSES. It's the way you go about leading missions. Begin planning, arrange the reconnaissance, make the reconnaissance, complete the plan, issue the order, and supervise. So, yeah, it was super technical about military jargon, got no GI Joe, whatever, but from a business standpoint, if I don't have a plan of attack, I have no op order, I have no operational order, I have no mission. I have no plan. What are you going to do? Run outside and shoot stuff? 
That's not how you win a war. More importantly, that's not how you stay alive in a war. And, and addition from staying alive, that's not how you stay alive and then actually accomplish objectives in that war to end the war. And so I just, I came out of the military and learned a lot and said, you know, I need to, I need to treat this like I would treat it, anything else in the military. I need to have an objective, collect as much intel as I possibly can. They don't always know everything. And, and stuff happens. It's part of why I need to be the expert. If there's a designer in the mix and she really wants to be in the mix, get her included, okay? If we're going to meet, all three of us are going to meet. Because I'm going to make a decision with you in present, and I'm going to tell you from a technical standpoint whether that can or cannot be done. Case in point, the Ligno pen for Weedy. I installed it many, many times. There's limitations. We don't want you sending anything less than 2x2 two two on it. We want you to set it and, and, and uh, grab an epoxy. You know, my designer would be like, that's hogwash, you know. I designed this room that these little, you know, quarter rounds that are 15 different colors of different shapes. And I'm like, I understand, that's a beautiful aesthetic. Let's put it, someone's put it in the backsplash. Let's put it in the in the deco. Let's put it in the niche. Let's put it in the flipping front door. I don't really care. I'm telling you from a mechanical standpoint, because I'm the expert on it, I'm not going to do that. And here's why. Period. It gives me footing. I swear my life on it that a bid that is properly executed and well thought out is your foundation, your basis to move that entire job and pivot off of that. Everything happens. And when change orders happen, because that never happens, I can say change order in addendum to point this in the bid, and this is what it's going to look like now. And here's the additional costs. This actually costs less, but this costs more. And the fact that you're a pain in my butt costs more. Heat attacks, right? Okay. And But people would do it because it's lined out in front of them. Yeah. And people trust you more. You're less, I want to come across as an expert business person. Not a monkey. Did anybody ever ask you what the PETA tax was? What's this PETA, this line item here for $1,000? This is PETA. Oh, <laughs> uh, I never put PETA in a line. Oh, okay. <laughs> However, PETA would be spread across okay. certain things. Uh, like, okay. we're, you know, when I used to have my super duty, I had my, my truck, I'd go and pick up stuff. And sometimes my PETA tax would be, most of the time, if I lied to you, honestly, I'd just go get stuff for free because I'm investing in the job, right? But. If I really thought it was a PETA tax, there'd be a formal delivery pickup and offloading charge. Yeah. 500 bucks, <laughs> or you know, 200, whatever the case may be. You know, I was going across the ferry and, you know, and who likes to unload two tons of tile by themselves? Right. Do we do it all the time? Yeah, we do it all the time, but it sucks all the time, huh? PETA tax. <laughs> Here we go. Right on. So, uh, that's my two cents. I think a plan is critical, period. Yeah. And when you're selling weed to somebody, that helps too. And say, yeah, look, yeah, yeah okay, my mud will it only cost me 300 bucks, and weedy cost me 1200 bucks. But when you go and talk about what weedy is compared to if they care. Now, that was easy for me to sell weedy. I didn't give them an option of anything else. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, she said, if you want me, this is the way it's going to go. Yeah. Because I had to reduce liability. Yeah. And I'd learned that lesson my heart way multiple times. I had plenty of failure stories I could tell people, which we're not going to tell people here, but exist just like everyone else does. Sure, sure. And so I said, you know what, you have to be able, and this is my final point about that topic, you have to be able to walk away from it. Yeah. Period. You just have to be able to walk away. And you were a great example this day at lunch, you know, those people that, that wanted it for 20% of my cost, they were never my customer in the first place. Yeah. You're 100% correct. The moment you try to make them your customer, your life sucks. Yeah. Your business isn't structured that way, you're not structured that way, your craftsmanship's not structured that way, and you're going to be in court fighting over it. So you just gotta learn to walk away, which is hard because we all work on commission 100%, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. 
like, oh, that cost me, you know, how much it cost me, it cost me 50 bucks, cost me 100 bucks, cost me whatever that number is to get that connect and get that bid. It sucks to have a walk away, but it's gotta be able to walk away. Yeah. Gotta be able to. Yeah, you don't wanna win every single job, that's for sure. And you know, we're talking about it before, you have a great point, if you're winning, a high percentage of your jobs, you're not trying hard enough, you're not charging enough. Yeah, you might want to re recheck your numbers. You know, and, and I know that that's not controversial, I would say it, but I, I know that that can get some feathers around pretty quickly. But it's something we need to think about. Yeah, Luke, have you ever heard anything about, you know, I'm sure people have different ideas, that varies, but you know, what kind of percentage of closing rate somebody should have if their numbers are in the right place? Or, or Chris, 10%. 10, you think closing rate of 10%? You know, uh, yeah, if you're doing two commercial jobs a year that are $9 million, hey, great. Sure. <laughs> it's great. I mean, I mean, honestly, I think sometimes it is, you know, 15, 20%. Yeah. Be low. Yeah. When it, for me, that's what I found. If, if I were to add up the amount of calls I got sure. in a week. Um, oh, yeah. Now, when I spend time on the phone with someone, and I kind of pre-qualify them, and then I go out to their house. Now that percentage should be like 70, 80, 90% closing rate. Uh, so that's the difference. funnel effect at that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You get all of the crap. Yeah. Funnels in pretty close to, hey, this is legitimate, I can work with this, kind yeah. of a real, mm -hmm. a real job, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at all the total funnel, I'd say 10, 15% might be right. If you're talking about qualified leads, I think if you're even hitting 50 of qualified real potentials, I think you're doing pretty good, my honest opinion. I know there's some guys in some of the other groups we're in that boast um, like 98, even 100% closing rates after the phone qualified. Oh, after, after the phone qualified. Yeah, that's a different number, yeah. yeah. So that brings up another thing, and this goes play, plays in the part of the reason why we're here physically filming this as opposed to connecting to the webcam, but yeah. my, I mean, you can talk to my wife about this. It, had so many arguments about this. Not arguments, but like, oh, I hate discussions. The moment that I get a lead through my phone, I service that lead, and I'm meeting in front of them, sometimes the same day, sometimes the next day. I will travel three hours to get in front of them. I will circumvent, I will come home from 12 hours of work setting, and then go to a bid. Sometimes, and I wasn't wearing this, I'd go to a bid after setting all day. I have fence it on my hand and be like, look, I, I apologize, but this is what I do all day. So yes, that looks unprofessional potentially, but depending on the way that you frame it, no, it doesn't look unprofessional. It looks like this guy's not a monkey. This guy's legit. He just, oh my gosh. Well, you know that something my old boss told me to do when I first went out, and I would ask him about stuff. You know, well, what do you do, man? I'm a mess after work. He's like, well, you should you should definitely have a change of shirt in your car. Sure. Always have a clean button-up shirt in your but, truck. You know. But. Yeah, if, I might have some smears on my pants. No, but, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, if you look like you literally just came off the street. <laughs> there's a reason here, yeah, right? right? But my point that I'm I, I know what you mean. getting to is that time matters. When they call you, they're hot time, on it. Yeah. If you yeah. say, yeah, you know, I got a, uh, I got an opening next week, uh, Wednesday at 5, and I'll see you there. Okay, guess what? Chris, the weedy guy, had already been there and started your job by that time. Yeah. Fact. Yeah. I got there, I sold them before they even talked to you. That made me selling them a whole lot easier because you don't even exist yet. Your number on a phone call wasn't important enough. For, you weren't important enough for them to come out and talk to you. So I always would go. I mean, I'd sometimes be a bit till 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. So be it. I'd be taking pictures and measurements. It was not just shake hands. But when I walk in there, it's the same thing as when I talk to the mud guys. They're like, 
So, uh, yeah, what do you think about, the, like, how long do you think this would take and what would the cost be like? I'd be like, well, if you want a ballpark, uh, 20 grand. You know, sometimes they'd laugh and sometimes they wouldn't laugh and be like, what the hell are you saying to me? I'm like, relax. Okay. We're, we'll get, I'll give you all that information in due time. We're going to collect information first. Do you know what you want here, here, here? Well, I haven't decided that yet, so then how could I possibly know? If you want somebody to give you a, a ballpark price the first second you meet them and you don't even know what you want, I'm totally the wrong guy. Hold on a second. I got about 10 guys I can have you call. Yeah. So it's salesmanship. Getting in front of them. Sales is 90% this interaction, 10% what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not if I'm fat or skinny or bald or pretty or model or not. It's human connection that's very difficult to do otherwise. And people are so standoffish on the phone. How difficult is it? How difficult is it to know everything you're talking about and still get through this when you're on the phone? Yeah, that's so that's my two cents. Get in front of them and do it quickly. That's that's been my experience. Um, there are there are, are a lot of people moving to make a move, and you know we, we follow a um, a podcast that you know that's kind of their method is actually really they try to generate a lot of leads and really just weed them out on the phone, and they're not even going to go show up to your house unless they're like really certain. That's that, old school, you know. Um, That's Joe really you know, and, and I'm, I'm pretty new to the game and everything, but but from in my experience, um, I just do a lot better if I get in front of people. Yeah. And, uh, but it does take a lot of time. When I, Lance, talk about Lance, okay? When I go and I try to open up distribution, it does not happen on a phone. Period. It's me in front of them. You're about to drive three and a half hours to get to them. Yeah. To say, hey, I'm a weedy dude. Check, 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 weedy. Let's talk. Okay, in front of them, period. Yeah. There's no exception to that. I will call you, talk to you later. Yeah. Lance and I hit each other up on text and phone call and, and, and Instagram all the time. Now, at no point in time will I ever approach an account on, hey, my name's Chris, I'm a weedy. Do you think I can come see you tomorrow at 3.30 p.m.? I know that that makes sense from a technical standpoint or from like a, a strict sales one-on-one standpoint, but I have no power to sell. And I consider myself a pretty decent salesperson. I have none to do it over the phone. It's an emotional thing, right? They need to like you. They need to see what they don't like about you and all their challenges, and then they need to see you casually and successively overcome those hurdles right in front of them. And you watch their body language, body language, body language, body language. So we used to survive in the military. I was watching body language. I'm not going to do what you said. 100% was watching your body. And sales is I got so body language. Got one last. Are you, watch, are you watching my body right now? <laughs> so, uh, <here> bloopers. <laughs> no, seriously though. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. So Mario's laughing over here. <laughs> he got him. So, so I'd like to pre-qualify over the phone though, like to at least make sure that we're in the same, you know, atmosphere, the same. Well, I have same budget. Okay. So what's your you budget? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking twenty-five hundred bucks. I know a guy, Luke, he'll, uh... <laughs> yeah, okay. No, so knock on it. Yeah, so what does your pre-qualification look like, Luke? Oh, yeah, so flipping it on. Yeah, yeah. so, um... <laughs> now you're the prey. Yeah. Respond. So I call you and I'm like, hey, Luke, um, I got this, uh, I got this shower that I want to get done. Yeah. So I love, so... I mean, would you come out and take a look at it and give me a price? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, first of all, do you have a few minutes we could talk on the phone? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so what, why are you redoing your shower? Uh, you know, the the old uh, fiberglass insert's kind of nasty, and, you know, we just we wanted to update the bathroom to make it look better. It's totally yellow. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I do a lot of this, so it's right up my alley. I do a lot of remodel work. Uh -huh. um, have you? Do you have tile picked out? Uh, no. We're kind of thinking maybe subway or something like that. Okay. But we're not not really sure yet. Yeah, subway's a uh, classic look. Um, do you have a budget in mind? Yeah, like. I, well, we're not really sure, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could just come take a look at it and let me know. Yeah, I'll be happy to. Uh, maybe I just have a couple more questions. Um, is it upstairs or downstairs? Oh, yeah, it's upstairs. Oh, an upstairs shower? Yeah. Okay. And do you have another bathroom in the house? Uh, yeah, we do. Okay. Is it? Do you want to do uh, floor to ceiling? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. we definitely okay. want to do that. Well, if you don't mind, I can share, you know, kind of some rough starting numbers with you to make sure, like, we're on the same page, and then if that, if that makes sense, we can come out, come right out. I can come right out. Okay, sure. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. So, so then I would give you, like, a base price for a subway, you know, tile. I, I know I can get subway for, you know, a few dollars a square foot. I know yeah. there's about, you know, let's just say 100 square feet there, um, and I know what I want. You know, I know it's going to take me a week of work, so. Okay. Cool. So then I would just throw that out there. I'd say, hey, that's going to be... the benefit of knowing your numbers, though. Yeah. Yeah. Substantial benefit. Yeah. And I might ask you a few more probing questions, like, um, you know, I might ask you if, if you're, you know, if, if you're doing any of the work, like, did you do the demo work or, you know, and I... And I and and charge you more if you do the demo work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the point is, is like, normally people start saying, like, yeah, I picked out the tile, we, we have it at the house, it's ready to go. That's a huge red flag. Like, I know, like... Oh, this person went out to Home Depot, bought the tile. They they're gonna want me there tomorrow, and they're kind of like a DIYer. Or hey, yeah. I tore out the shower. Some of them might even say, hey, I, I did the the prep. You know, you and me were talking. We both yeah. had calls. Your profile. I, this you know, you know what I I get a yeah. lot. I my suspicion is when people have the tile and they're ready to go, um, unless they have give me a specific story. It's they were all hot to get this this thing done. Then they got a price and they went, they about fell over. Yeah. And now they're looking to find somebody that'll come in and do it about half price. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I would have much of the same dynamic. But, and sometimes people will be like, well, we just, we just really don't know. I'm like, okay, well, let me throw something out to you. Are you below five grand? Five to ten? Are you okay with higher than ten? Because I'm about twelve. Oh, that's like four times more than we're thinking. Like, I understand. That's fine. But, do the scope of job that you're talking about, I would do the demo and prep for that much. Yeah. That's the level we're working at. Yeah. You know. If you'd like, having said that, you know, I'm more than likely to, more than happy to come out and talk with you and get you real numbers. But that's gonna be the ballparks that we're in. Okay, if we're not even in the same ballpark, you know, no 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 point. I'm not gonna satisfy you. And most, yeah, sometimes you get, I would still lose, you know, I'd get some people who, oh yeah, okay, I think I can make that ballpark work, okay, but then you'd go through your, you know, I've been up till 4 o'clock in the morning writing my 12 page bid and I submit it to them and then I get a call at like 8 a.m. and first of all, I'm like, that was too soon, way too soon, they're like, yeah, no, we really like you, Chris, we really like what you're doing, you know, now that weedy product sounds pretty cool, but you know, I'm just really thinking, you know, what if you, do you think you could take this uh, line item such and such? Do you think you can decrease your din set cost by such and such? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Next? Yeah. <laughs> Next question. No. And I'm not going to defend myself. Yeah. Here's, here's a good way to decrease the cost of the thin set and set materials have less square footage installed. Oh, but we really want Okay, what's the price? Yeah. Okay. I was willing to give people a break on the entire job, yeah. 
I wasn't going to sit there and be like, well, I'm going to give you a 5% discount on this or 5%. The, the, so what I learned from, from car sales standpoint is there are types of people that has nothing to do with the amount of money that they have, period. It's nothing about money. It's a control thing. They know that you're a salesperson. They're a salesperson. I'm raising my hand. I'm guilty of this myself. I'm a jerk about it sometimes. But they want to feel like they contributed and they got something out of it. They want to feel like they made you concede some way, shape, or form. It might be you took a grand total of 500 bucks off your whole job. Which might be a lot if you're doing a you know, $5,000 job. You know, a $50,000 job, not a big deal. But they want to get you to concede that they want to be able to affect it. And they may not even know what they're asking for. Like, they don't care. They just, they just want a piece of you. And, and so I would play that by ear sometimes. Sometimes I would allow that. So sometimes what I would do is I would purposely give kind of a little bit fatter number on some things depending on how I read the situation when I met with them and give a little bit fatter number and have a plan to concede and say, you know what, I'll mock off that delivery and pick up fees, okay, but here's what I want from you though, you're going to have to work with me on this. I want everything figured out beforehand, so I make one trip and I used to working the kids up in Insula, so I had to make a ferry across to Seattle. I want to make one trip to town, and I'll pick up everything, and I'll give you the, the delivery and everything, and I'll knock off that 500 or 400 or 700 or whatever. Oh, okay, Chris. Well, I think that's reasonable. And the thing that that gave for me is now I know what kind of hardware's going to match up with the tile, and I, now I have all those details lined up. So when they change it, I got you. Because you change order. Yeah, period. <laughs> By the way, you're paying me a change order now, yeah. not later, because I'm incurring cost. Yeah, because time is money, right? Time is money, period. Or time is the money you don't have, you're not making. That's my two cents. It just gives me, there's always going to be, almost never, ever, do I have a situation of ever selling cars or selling anything that I've ever sold, services, selling weedy, or selling um, construction, that I have a, you solicit me, I give you a bid, you say yes, and you pay me without any kind of movement. Expect movement in the negotiations, in my opinion. Yeah. And that makes you look a little bit more reasonable. Even if you're smart enough to say I added 10% just so I could take 10%. Uh, I can see maybe Helps doing, though. I typically try to mark up, uh, if, I, if I'm supplying the tile, I mark the tile up at least 20%. Um, and I could, so, Sometimes that comes up and I go, you know, they, they ask if I'm marking it up and I'm like, yeah, that's my delivery charge. Um, but if you, yeah. you want to go pick up the tile and sort it out and bring it to, the, to each room that I'm going to work in, there you I'll, go. I'll shave that off. But if I get through the entire room and I'm nine tiles too short. Well, no, I'll give them the numbers. I'll handle that. Or if they right. want to come up with their own numbers. But still, yeah. like I would even do the same thing. I'd say, like, I will give you expert numbers and I'll give you the overage numbers. Uh, or yeah. if in some areas where I know I have a particular high waste, if I'm doing, uh, you know, three quarter offset, I'm doing inherent bone. You know I'm going to have higher waste. Right. Here's 15 or even 20% if it's like a, a stone or something that cracks a lot. Okay. okay. A little bit of know your own industry there. But if they're insistent that they're going to use their connections and get that stuff, here's the numbers. I expect those numbers. Right. And if you get me something a little bit less, if yeah. you didn't check what you got or whatever, sure. you're paying my change order, you're paying my daily fee, and you're paying to get the new stuff. Yeah. You're taking that liability. You have to assume that full liability. Yeah. And typically, when I talk about it like that, they're like, hmm, 
Chris is starting to sound like a one-stop shop. I think I'll just go ahead and just let you handle it. Huh? And that's great for me because yeah. I have my own organic system. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you can tell us or not, but I try to be control free. Okay. Absolutely, you cannot. You cannot inspect. You must inspect what you expect. First of all, in order to do that, you have to go control, 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 control as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Due diligence. Yeah. And contracts are, are the first step. Um, maybe not the first step, but one of the very first steps to controlling the job. You know, having that outline, having that expectations made. And you know, I've I've gotten lazy um, over the summer, and you know, partially because I was so busy and whatever. And all that time, you know, all that time, all that podcast, man, I've taken up my time. But I I uh, I stopped using my contracts, and a couple jobs went smooth and fine. But then one job went really sideways, and guess what? I'm using my contracts again because I have that control. That's your Bible. Yeah. That is your plan of operation now for that job. It's basically your business plan for that job, that client. Yeah. And when anything goes legal, if you don't have it, well, you're done. Yeah. yeah. I actually if you do have it. You can you can base off of that and say, in good faith, this is what they lined out. This is what's agreed upon. So actually, yeah. You know, so be it. So be it. But you don't have anything. If you don't have anything, then, then it's open season on you. Because you're the expert. And we'll get into this, this topic just real quick. The whole concept of people getting on there being like, because social media, we're always asking questions like, guys, what do you think? And that's great. That's absolutely what we should do on social media. But sometimes people know that what they're asking is flat out wrong, and they do it anyway, waiting for us to approve and say, yeah, go ahead and like, no, here's the thing. Someone pipes up and says, Oh, you just get them to sign a waiver that it's not your liability anymore? Okay. Y'all know that topic, right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Every week. Yeah. One, you just admitted that you knew it was wrong. Right. Two, you had a signed, dated signature that you knew it was wrong. And three, if it ever goes to legal, you're the expert, not them. You are. Even if you're not, you're supposed to be, you're wrong. But if you are the expert, then you did something you knew you shouldn't have done. You're wrong. So that's a little, another little hot topic there, but... Yeah, no, it's a it's a good point. It's a good point. So, yeah, you know what, Kristen, um, this has been a great day. Uh, I really appreciate you taking your time to be on this podcast. I think we covered a lot. Did we miss anything? Yeah, I think we covered a lot of good points. I'm a golden. All right, thank you. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you? I know you're you're on social media, um, Instagram. What is it at? So I handle uh, an official capacity. I handle. Probably 95% of the social media for Weedy. Okay. So um, various reps have their own rep account mm -hmm. on Instagram and Instagram only. Um, a lot of us have our personal Facebook accounts that can be tagged into groups because of the way that Facebook mechanics works. Sure. Uh, but as far as Weedy Corp actual Facebook goes, LinkedIn, um, the Instagram, that's all me. I, okay. I'm, I also handle NorCal Weedy because I cover the Northern California and Nevada for Weedy. Um, if you're submitting an online inquiry, that will go to our corporate and that will get pushed down to the various reps. So um, when you call into corporate, that gets pushed to the various reps. But if you're basically talking to Weedy, um, North America, Weedy Corp on the internet, it's 99% chance it's me you're talking to. Right. So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Very easy, easy to get a hold of. So right on. Appreciate it. And Adam, I know you're you're um, active on the, some of the forums. What Tile Geeks, GTP? Come in. I'm in all the ones I know about. Pretty much all of them. As soon as I hear a new one, I'm like, oh, I might as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Right on. So, yeah, you contribute a lot in a lot of those groups. So. Yes. Thanks so, for having me, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tile Money, the business where I talk about 
the business of, or the podcast where I talk about the business of tile. Have a great week. Take care.